0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get Ready to Thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now, can I be honest about something? I'm feeling a little bit grumpy today. And I don't know if it's because I'm tired or because Brennan and I are doing Whole30 and I'm on a sugar detox, or if it's just one of those moments where the current state of everything going on in the world is just getting to me. It's probably a little bit of all of the above. So yes, this is a podcast about hope. And I am going to deliver to you. But can I say that it's a podcast that I need right in this very moment too. If you're feeling a little weary and worn, I am right there with you. I heard an online message from a pastor a few months ago and his sermon title was I'm tired on the inside. And I was like, yes, exactly. That is exactly how I'm feeling. So if you are tired on the inside, this one is for you. So this Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. And if Advent is new to you, I'm going to give you a super simple definition, thanks to my friend Google. Now, Advent means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And we know it as the season where we celebrate the birth of Christ. And if you want a deeper dive into Advent traditions, you can check out last year's Introduction to Advent episode, which is episode number 28. I'm going to skip over all of that and just dive right into hope. So this week, we're talking about hope, and I can't remember a time we've ever needed hope more. Last spring, when everything first shut down, I was messaging with a friend and trying to figure out how I could best share hope with people around me. And she responded to my messages by saying, yes, those are good things, but we're in this for the long haul. Don't wear yourself out. This is a marathon, not a sprint. There was no way I could comprehend the weight of her words back then, but now, nine months later, I get it. This year has deeply taxed so many people, leaving them just devoid of hope, joy, and peace. And maybe you've fully embraced this holiday season and you've decorated, trimmed the tree, bought the eggnog, and even finished your mostly online shopping. But maybe it just isn't working for you this year. Restrictions on gathering, the weird challenges with shopping, maybe the world being flipped on, on top of its head has left you reeling for a whole host of reasons. And maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel a little depressed or anxious. And can I say, I get that. And while those feelings are not bad or wrong, we just don't want to stay there. And I'd love to tell you a story about a guy who also had some pretty anxious and overwhelmed feelings. And he felt so low, he was actually ready to die. I was reading recently about a guy in the Bible named Elijah. He's honestly one of my favorites and I'm not really sure why. I think in part because he was doing so well in life and there was this one little thing that happened and he seemed to fall apart emotionally and I can definitely relate to that. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you a super quick synopsis. You can read the entire thing in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Okay, so when Elijah was alive... The city he lived in was full of destruction and chaos. And this really evil couple were king and queen. Their names were Ahab and Jezebel. And they decided to turn away from God and worship other little g gods. And they took their entire kingdom with them down this terrible path. So Elijah one day decided to challenge this king Ahab and these guys known as the prophets of Baal, they were the leaders of these bad little G gods. And they decided to challenge them to this huge showdown. They met on top of this mountain, and they assembled sacrifices on a huge fire pit. Now, Eli- it was basically Elijah, one guy, against 450 on the other side. And he let these other, other guys go first. They did everything they knew to do. And there were no results. All of the regular tricks and go-to's just didn't work. They couldn't get the fire to come down from heaven and consume their sacrifice. And as I was thinking about how all of their regular tricks and go-to's just didn't work, I thought for a minute, isn't that what we do sometimes? We do everything we know to do. We trust so deeply in our systems and our ability to control a situation, to be prepared and to plan, to do just the right thing, to ensure the right result. And then when everything doesn't go to plan, we're crushed. We're blindsided. We are disappointed and discouraged. I would even venture to say that many times we actually have a little g-god of control or safety or preparation inside of us. We trust in our abilities so deeply, we can begin to unintentionally put all of our hope in ourselves. And I say unintentionally because I don't feel like we do it on purpose. I don't think we wake up in the morning and say, I am going to trust solely in myself today. But we do. Or maybe we trust in someone else to come through for us. We have an expectation of how others are going to perform. And when they fail, we also can be crushed. And if you're not sure, if you have an idol in your heart, I love how part of the story can highlight for us how to discover if we do. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah actually makes fun of these prophets of Baal. He mocks them, and I think the deeply sarcastic part of me also loves him for this. But this is one way we can tell what some of the idols are in our life. When we get really irritated that somebody has poked fun of something in our life, that can often indicate an idol. Maybe somebody points out something directly in our lives, or maybe we just read a comment somewhere that wasn't directed to us. It's on someone else's page, but inside we feel a little twinge or a twang. We feel a need to retaliate or defend this comment that has nothing to do with us but suddenly seems so personal. Now I'm not saying that every time something like that comes up it means there's an idol in our hearts but sometimes it does. We can feel like we need to justify or validate that thing but if we pause for a moment has something just been exposed in our heart Is it a misplaced worship? I can't tell you if it is, but often where we feel offended or where we need to defend is sometimes an idol in our lives. And if this feels like fireworks to you and you're having aha moments all over the place, you can just pause this podcast and go spend some time with Jesus. Just ask him, what's going on in my heart? Is there something I am elevating over you? Is there something I'm clinging on to? A right? A need to defend? I love reading Psalm 139, 23, and 24. It's an invitation for God to search our hearts and let us know what's there. And when we know what's there, we can partner with him to let it go. I'll just pray, God, I open my hands up. I let it go and ask you to take it away. Thank you for highlighting this idol in my life. Okay, so let's get back to the story. Well, the prophets of Baal cannot get their sacrifice to burn up despite their best attempts. And then here comes Elijah. It's his turn. He steps up to the plate and he asks the men that were there to help by pouring buckets and buckets of water on top of his sacrifice until it is drenched and then he prays he asks God to consume the sacrifice with his fire and God comes through in a powerful way fire falls from heaven and licks up every last drop of water now let's pause there for a moment this is who God is he comes through powerfully Where the idols in our lives will always fall short, God will come through. The challenge is when we try to make our big G God into a little G God that we control. Sometimes we say, well, God didn't come through for me. But was that a moment where we were trying to control him? Where we were trying to control the outcome I'm not saying that just because we put all of our hope in God that things will turn out the way we want. This is hard. God is not a genie in a bottle, and he remains mysterious. We also know that Jesus said we would suffer, which is also not fun. But I do believe that God is a God of redemption and will work all things together for our good and for his glory. We maybe just haven't seen how yet in so many parts of our lives. So for Elijah, this was a huge win. This was a victory. But his celebration was cut short when news spread that the Baal prophets had been defeated and killed. The evil king's wife Jezebel took it upon herself and sent a death threat to Elijah. And this is why I am telling you, this story. In 1 Kings 19:3 it says that Elijah was afraid and he began to run. Hello, I can totally relate to that. When it comes to fight or flight, I'm way more the flight type. I love to avoid, ignore and simply run away from my problems and hope that everything will turn out okay in the end. So, Elijah ran. And I remember just reading and reading this passage again and again, and I was so confused. Why, when he just saw God come through for him in such a powerful way, did he suddenly not trust and believe that God would save him from this little death threat? I didn't get it. And then I looked at the Hebrew word for the phrase where it says that he was afraid. And it meant where he was looking. It was where he had cast his gaze, where he was focusing. And I wondered, how often do we shift what we are looking at? How often do we shift from trusting in God to trusting in ourselves? I don't have any way to quantify this. But here's my guess. Every single day. Every day. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set. Set. Where is your heart set right now? Is it set on the giant to-do list you have to accomplish before Christmas? Is it set on the discouragement you are walking through in this season? Is it set on fearful or anxious thoughts? I know it often doesn't feel like it, but we have a choice with what we set our minds on. We can choose. And I know unwanted fearful or anxious thoughts can come your way. I know things may not be easy breezy in your life. I get that. If this was easy, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But if you begin to set your mind on things above not on the things that are causing you pain right in your face I guarantee your hope will begin to rise okay let's do something just for fun imagine for a moment I have a surprise day planned for you I tell you in the morning okay here's what we're gonna do today we are gonna go to the dentist and I apologize to any dentists who may be out there listening. But let's say I tell you, hey, I've arranged a three-hour appointment at the dentist for you, a root canal, and so much more is in store for you today. How do you feel? Probably a sense of dread. Nothing about that statement sounds appealing. You may have even felt physically ill. So let's contrast that. What if I said, hey, today I have shut down Disneyland just for you. There'll be no lineups, the food is free, and you can just run and play and have the most magical day of your life. How excited would you be for that day? Now, here's the thing. Neither of those things are happening right now, but as I talked about them, didn't you get a sense of dread and worry with the first one and joy and hope and anticipation with the second one? And I know it is a silly example. But we go along throughout our days with our minds set on something. And I'm not saying live your entire day believing that any minute now we're going to be in heaven. Isn't that amazing? We won't experience any more frustration or pain. But I am saying that what we pay attention to will shape our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our experience, and our hope. Now, if you have a relationship with Christ, you don't just know the best news in the world. You have the best news in the world living inside you. You have hope right inside you. But where are you looking? Can I share something else that I think is pretty cool? The very thing that threatened to take Elijah out. The thing that caused him to forget all that God had done in his life and caused him to run was the death threat on his life. But... When we look at 2 Kings chapter 2, we see that Elijah doesn't even die. The very thing he was so terrified of didn't even happen. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that mind-blowing? And I wonder how many things we worry about in our lives that won't even ever happen. I wonder how many times we've given away our hope and our joy in favor of worry and control. Again, I know this isn't easy, but I want to say it is possible. We can live from a place of hope when our mind is set on Christ, when our mind is focused on the things above. Now, practically, how do we do this? Well, I know for me, how I begin my day really sets the tone. And I have a four year old, so sometimes my day begins with her at my bedside. We can't always control the season we're in. And one with young kids does make it challenging to get up early and have quiet time. So even though I can't control my kids' wake up time, I can control what I set in front of my face. Is it my phone? Am I setting? myself up for success by allowing the voices and opinions of the world into my head and my heart before filling myself up with God's truth. And ideally, I would sit in the stillness and the quiet of the morning by myself. This is my favorite. But sometimes I'm listening to a worship song or the audio Bible while I'm blow drying my hair or I'm driving to work. When you begin a practice of setting your mind on Christ right from the start of the day, you will notice a change in your life. I actually most notice it on days when I don't. Days where my feet hit the ground and I allow every other person and voice to come at me first. Those are not good days. Those are the days I find myself losing my patience, raising my voice, and generally feeling hopeless. So as much as jogging, eating well, and sleeping are key to my mental health, where I set my mind is critical. So my friends, as we seek hope in these last few weeks of 2020, we set our minds on Christ. We wait in anticipation of not only celebrating his birth, but his coming again. This is not the end. And I want to wrap up just reading Colossians 1, 9 to 12 from the message. It says, Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud Making, sorry, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Friends, I don't know about you, but I needed that. I need the hope of Christ at the forefront of my mind. I need my mind set on him. Now, I trust and pray that this episode has helped you move one step closer to thriving. And if it has, would you mind sharing it with a friend who might need hope today? Maybe even sharing it as a screenshot in Instagram and tagging me in it so I can actually see that you have shared it. That would give me a lot of hope. I am hoping you have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars, or even a review wherever you listen to po- podcasts, Podcasts, keeping it super professional? Um, if you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.